Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Dancing in the alleys and the streets For the thrill and the fear of getting caught kissing For my sister, my brother and unity For all the times we tried to change their minds and stale beliefs For the loss of pride, for poverty For the dream of just a normal life for you and me For all the children who were starving for a loaf of bread For the greed of politics and all the lies they spread For all the mass polluted air we breathe For all the litter in the streets and all the dying trees For all the animals who suffer from elimination For all the cats and dogs who love us without no conditions For all the Tears that seem to never end For all the images that keep on turning in our heads For a simple smile to last a little while For the future generations fighting for their time For empty promises of heaven in the afterlife For all the imprisonment of beautiful minds For all the babies who were born and for the ones who died For all the times you told the truth and all the times you lied For all the speeches that we heard about a million times For all the shacks and shelters that were sold to make a dime For just a glimpse of a peaceful life For the rising of the sun after an endless night For all the pills we pop Just to get some sleep For all mankind and our country For all the boys and girls who never knew equality For woman For life Liberty Fine, you're listening to Voice of Oroha from Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Uh, we are coming here with another new episode, a new guest here joining us in the studio. But before I introduce the guest, let me introduce my co-host joining me today in the studio, Ben. Ben, how are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you, Kodrian, for having me in. It's good to be back in the studio again. I think it's the same team as last time. And it's yeah. myself and <laughs> Rata and Cody again. Yes, and we have over Zoom Rata. Rata, how are you? Very good, thanks. Kia ora, everyone. Um, it's lovely to be joining joined by Zoom and having some hybrid um, opportunities. I'm very, very grateful that I can join this interview even over Zoom. So thank you so much for having me again. I'm very, very excited. How about you, Rodrigo? I'm good. It was really lovely day here. So the time when this episode is out, hopefully, will be sunny day. So the people listening, they can still enjoy the sun. Anyhow, Bill, it's Wellington. <laughs> we love Wellington. We That's do. Why. That's we why do. we're broadcasting from here, right? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> here we go. And um, Ben, I will hand it over to you because I would love to... Ben, tell us who we have here in the studio and how we can introduce her. She has too many talent and oh, things to do. It's, Where I, do start? I, I, I've, I've said <laughs> um, so many things in terms of um, uh, the mahi, the resilience, the um, the fortitude, the aspiration, mm. the leadership. I know that's, that word is actually like thrown about quite um, quite frequently on these days, but I do mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's a bit unfair to uh, for me to actually introduce. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to um, let <laughs> yes, I guess introduce yourself, Hannah. Welcome to the studio. Welcome to Aroha, uh, Voice of Aroha. Um, who are you and uh, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, kia ora everyone. I'm Hana Habibi and uh, I'm one of the m- members of Iranian community of Wellington as well as 
a recently shaped group, which is called um, Iran Solidarity Group, New Zealand. And who I am, I am a 38 years old, Iranian-born, Iranian-raised, um, Kiwi-Iranian, soon to be, so I'm a permanent resident yet. And uh, I came to New Zealand six years ago, and um, now I am trying to amplify the voices of brave people in Iran fighting for liberty. And... Um, so since seven weeks ago, I just all of a sudden turned to an, a full-on activist. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> you never know when a turning point comes your way. Indeed. So mm. that is who I am. I am a public employee in New Zealand, uh, living with my family here, loving it here, and uh, having also feeling strong responsibility to do something at this important, significant point of time, history of Middle East, for sure. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's just uh, very welcome. We have a privilege to have you here in, in studio, which is um, the, the reason I say that is just um, taking from you time from all the work you do. And also, like you said, yeah, I love that what you say, being activist in suddenly, which you don't know when things come. But that is what it is when something comes to your community and you feel responsibility to act or at least help or do something about the issues. So, Hannah, we kind of understand or a little bit what is going on in Iran, but I think the, for our majority of the audience or listeners, if you give us a little bit is briefly context, like what is happening in Iran? So our audience is uh, everyone, like any backgrounds. But if from you and your perspective as Iranian, you may know better information what's happening there. So question to you is what's happening exactly there? Well, um, what is happening at the moment is um, a full force fight for freedom. So nearly eight weeks ago, a young Iranian girl called a 22-year-old Iranian Kurdish girl called Masa Amini was arrested by a force in Iran that is called Morality Police. So Morality Police is a, is a force shaped to impose strict dress code on the streets um, in an arbitrary way, just uh, visually scanning women and the way they're dressed. And whoever who they catch or they deem dressed inappropriately while everybody is covering their hair, everybody is covering, like wearing something like a large, long coat over their clothes. Yet they have the authority to intervene, to arrest, to humiliate, to occasionally forcibly arrest and uh, take to their detention centers for what they call re-educating. So basically educating them how to follow the rules and how compulsory hijab is the rule and is the rule of the country and they have to follow it in full. So if they're wearing their shawl too loosely, they are basically a target for this morality police. And so this 22-year-old girl was arrested by them, taken, into the, in the taken to the detention center um, I have to just mention that she was just traveling to Tehran. She's from Kurdistan, and Tehran is Iran's capital. And she was traveling to capital. She was with her brother and her cousin trying to, like, tour the city. And uh, against, the, against the brother's will, against his trial to prevent them from taking her, they took her anyways. And uh, a few hours later, um, she left the detention center in, a, in an ambulance, entering a hospital in coma, and a few days later she passed. So this uh, sad tragedy became the spark of a movement, which mm -hmm. everything for it was ready. So the country, people, everybody was extremely dissatisfied with in all fronts, not only economically, because some people try to make it only an economic-related matter and people who are, who are suffering. That's just one aspect of it, which is, interestingly, a direct consequence of 
foreign policies or domestic policies of the leaders still. So, um, yeah, the society was fully ready for um, a spark mm. and the death of Mahsa Amini, the killing mm. of Mahsa Amini became that spark. And uh, from that moment forward, from three days later when she passed and her body was transferred to her hometown to be buried in her funeral, women started taking off their hijab and shouting um, against compulsory hijab and against this discriminatory law and this injustice that has taken place against them. And uh, the slogan that became the leading slogan of this movement, which is Woman, Life, Freedom, started mm -hmm. from that funeral. Men started shouting it. And this is actually a Kurd, originally a Kurdish slogan. So this mm -hmm. is not a newly born slogan. It existed among Kurds, but just uh, started living again mm -hmm. after this. Mm -hmm. And since then till now, it's turning to a revolution. For liberty. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Well, a lot more has happened. Yeah. If there is a chance, we can talk about many other brutal mm. incidents just yes. to reflect on the scale of mm. what's taking place at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, that's, I think you give a good context to what's exactly happening briefly in a few minutes. I understand that days we can talk about this, but you know. What do you tell us about this tragedy? How uh, one incidence of this woman have been? I'm, I'm sure there's hundreds of other women who lost their life before this and, and even after these things. But I think that's why this kind of slogan, which is beautiful, like a woman life freedom or Jinjian Azadi, this is something have brought something deep issues into rise, which that you summarize in the end as a revolution. It's not just about one incidence. No. But that tragedy have wake up and the united people, I think, yeah. to to state against this kind of regime, who been years and for many many years and covering the media and like people like us or in New Zealand, which we have a little information about what is happening. Only they know that the the problem is nuclear weapon or that that deal is happening between U.S. and things. But mm -hmm. uh, having this conversation is giving us a little bit deep that there's a deep issues there. That affecting Absolutely. the Iranian community and the international world is not feeling about that. Absolutely. So th thank you for that, Hannah. And then I will be maybe passed, then I will come more questions for you. Sure. But let me pass to my colleagues if they have any other questions. Rata, Rata how about you? Thank you so much for that um, beautiful um, summary of um, some of the most recent um, writing history, especially around the, um, the movement as itself. It's, um, I think it's amazing. It's really, really fantastic. Thank you. Um, I was just wondering, um, compared to, you know, talked really, really fantastic about you know, how there's been sort of dissent and sort of dissatisfaction with the government for years and stuff like that. But how different do you think it is that this time the movement is being led by women in particular, as opposed to sort of just the middle classes or just sort of this, um, you know, economically disadvantaged groups that it really is women who are kind of leading the way in this, in this issue right now? Well, yeah, it is, it is different, yet uh, we could see it coming. So this has started now, but women fighting for... Uh, their rights taken away from them has not started recently. However, it did um, became more uh, salient over the past few years. So more and more campaigns started to shape because when you are oppressed at such scale, it takes some time. It takes a generation maybe that was deeply scared and mm -hmm. horrified to... To, to take a moment to step back, but that generation raised the next generation in, in, a, in a more demanding way. So basically the next generation you can, if you, if you can follow what's happening in Iran, you can see that these are young people under 20, under 25. And these are people who were raised by those who basically were kids when the revolution took place, when the, the, the rights basically was taken away from them. So... Yes, it is different in in a way that it is um, women-led, but we could see that this is coming. It was shaping. Many brave women over the past years have been detained, have been arrested, have faced unbelievable, ridiculous 
sentences and rulings. So we have somebody like a 22-year-old who was 23 years old when she was arrested. Her name is Saba Kordafshari. She was arrested uh, being a woman rights activist and uh, somebody against or opposed to compulsory hijab. And she got, I guess, 20 plus years to to jail to be to to spend in jail and then her mother her mother also was arrested and this is in a country where a man can kill his daughter and face like three years of prison so um i mean that is what you expect you expected a women-led movement out of a gender apartheid that's that was expected and it is different in different ways. I see it differently. It is different because it's happening in Iran, a country in the Middle East, a country in a region that is um, male-dominated culturally or has been male-dominated dominated culturally. However, there are changes, uh, again, there are changes taking place in every single country in the region, and mm. Iran can be or is one of the leading countries because of its sophisticated history, because some freedom was given to them at some point where maybe um, when maybe the country and nation wasn't ready for it. And then yet they tasted it no matter, no matter how much, how new it was or how um, overwhelming it was at the point, but they took it and they tasted it. Mm -hmm. So the, this nation knew freedom to some extent, not political, social freedom. And then it was taken away from them, mm -hmm. from something that they trusted, from religion. They did trust their clergymen. And that's why they took over. And then they were proven that that was the biggest mistake they made. And this sort of um, fireback after many years of oppression mm -hmm. was expected and actually can be extremely, uh, can bring hope to the region. Yeah. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you so much, Anna. Um, um, you're talking fantastically. Um, I really, really appreciate the revision on um, remembering all the history of Iran and um, mm -hmm. remembering um, in particular um, you know, the secular, secularization that sort of um, took place across the country and sort of how, how much of a significant social change that was from um, you know, the um, Muslim um, culture which had been um, you know, very pervasive and widespread to um, the Pahlavi regime with um, Pahlavi dynasty, rather with um, uh, you know much more secular um, uh, secular uh, way of being and stuff like that. Um, just wondering, uh, it's a, a big question. Um, if um, sort of what the aims of the movement are now, and I guess you know, as you said, um, when you had the um, nineteen seventy nine um, uh, revolution, there was the, the clergy were the people who were trusted, and so when there was this power gap. It was the clergy who came and, and you know took over the, the regime for the country. What do you hope to happen now, and how do you and how um, uh, how will we know that there will be positive changes for the future if there is a regime change for Iran? What are your what are your hopes for the movement? Well, this is a great question, uh, and to answer to this, I have to start with the fact that Iranian opposition at the moment is pretty divided. Yet they all are united in wanting secularism. So this 43 years of uh, a religious theocracy acting as a democracy, playing with people's hopes, playing with people's trust in what they did and the revolution they shaped has taught them just one lesson, most important, two lessons, basically, that to stay away from religion mm -hmm. and to uh, no matter in what shape, mm. establish a democracy. A democracy that is well thought through, a democracy that is um, well, um, how to put it, well monitored, mm -hmm. well established, and um, which is independent, which follows um, clearly reviewed constitution that doesn't allow for the shaping of any power, even those who are asking, interestingly, even those who are asking for constitutional monarchy and believe that a king should be there as a symbol or whatever, they are still asking for full secularism and full democracy, even under that ruling system. So they're just looking for probably a symbol or whatever. So we are divided. Some are looking for um, a republic democracy. Some are... Um, some, ha some have the interests of minorities and like um, 
um, different ethnicities that we have within Iran into their consideration. And perhaps maybe they have something like a federal system or something in mind. But we all are united against anything related to religious. So we want religion to become a private task just to be for people and to be a democracy, to be to, to, we're looking to replace the system with a democracy. So this is this is coming, interestingly, from some maturity taking place. So over these years of um, being played by such a sophisticated, playful regime. Mm. Uh, so when you're dealing with such sophisticated regime, you learn to be sophisticated because that's the only way you can survive. Mm. You learn to basically read their hand mm. because that's the only way you can survive. And this has been some sort of intensive course for Iranians over the past 43 years, they've learned <laughs> way more than a normal nation can learn in 43 years. And yeah. that's why you're seeing yeah. these shifts. When somebody asks me whether this movement succeeds, my answer is that the revolution has already taken place in people's minds and beliefs. Yes. We have a generation that's aware. We yes. have a generation that knows what it wants. And mm. it's, it's beautifully summarized in three words. Mm. They want equality which is covered under the word woman in their slogan. Mm. They want to live a happy life, and that's life, and they want freedom, and that's democracy. They're just saying it out loud, clearly, mm. in their, all in their slogans. They are getting killed for it and not backing off. So mm. if you ask me, this time is definitely different. And it is women-led. However, we have to really emphasize the importance of men supporting that. Our men are not against us. Our young mm. men are standing next to us. They're yes. supporting this cause because this is also their request. So I hope that answers you. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I was Not only was it a really, really great breakdown of um, the different um, sort of social and political movements going on, but it was also very, very inspiring. So thank you so much for that. It's absolutely gorgeous. I'll pass it on to you, Ben. That was fantastic. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Rita. Um, I, I, I love that choreo. I just want to follow up. Um, with that, and I, I do. I acknowledge that the movements are young people, are actually the Gen Z, are actually activated. Um, they've always been active. Um, they've always um, protested or um, actually highlighted these inequities in one way or another, in form of art, music, culture, minor little defiance here and there, because that's what people actually thrive for. Life. What you just said is just normalcy. If and it's not. This is not. Alien, sorry, I, I, you know, I, I talk about um, the culture as if I'm, I'm actually, you know, part of it. I'm, I'm, I am passionate about it, and and part of this, what I wanted to um, sort of follow up on that is, how do you see that sort of um, almost radical activism, which is actually quite infectious and invigorating. Because, you know, defiance in, in, a, in a face of like what you could actually face and death is actually like the, uh, the ultimatum. You know, a lot of things actually happen to you in between. And we see it with through many different people um, who've actually like passed um, and the families as well. So I just giving a context and, and sort of a follow up to um, people in New Zealand. How would you like that? Um, movement to be translated so that people are actually aware and understand a bit more what's actually happening right now. How, what would you like to see in terms of um, raising awareness and, and that activism actually coming to the forefront of uh, New Zealand society? Well, I think we are living in a world uh, where public attention has the potential of um, leading or creating actions, practical actions. Actually, ironically, a part of my PhD thesis was on this. So knowing nothing related to these things, five years ago, I was working on a thesis which was assessing public opinion. And I, I compared um, the reaction to the same natural-led disaster in a Western country with another country. And what I saw was crazy difference, significant massive difference between the attention that the same event, even in smaller scale, received from that was happening in a Western country mm. compared to the one that happened in, a, in another country. 
I guess it was like South American, this second one. And I remember usually it's it's common when you uh, conduct such research to make policy recommendation. And I remember that I ended to I, I came up to a conclusion that it wasn't I couldn't make policy recommendation. I just could make public recommendation. So I just could recommend people that this is the world of social media. This is the world that you can make noise and action follows the noise. So if you want to make a change, you have to get on, get on board, get, raise your voice in any possible way you can. And uh, so that's what we are doing. What we are doing is we're amplifying voices. What people in Iran are doing are using every fraction of freedom to, to, to send the message out, to show their bravery, which is impressive. Uh, what I want to see, what we want to see is action eventually. This regime has proven yes. to know nothing but force, yes. not to respond to anything but force. They don't know negotiations. They don't know reforms. They don't know any sign of, um, I don't know, peaceful um, way of convincing, but they understand pressure. Yes. So what we want from people is first to care, to mm. hear us out, to hear our messages. This is the, again, this is the era of social media. Yes. It's not that difficult to gain some information. Just simply type Iran on your um, explorer mm. and you'll get a lot of information. Follow one hashtag, simple Masa mini hashtag, and you'll read a lot. You'll see a lot. Yes. Follow that. And that comes, that is the next step after you care. So mm. when you care, then you can be aware. And after you're aware, you can drive action you can write to your mps you can you can support our cause and this is an important cause again yes. it's women led this if you're a feminist if you care about equality if you care about children's rights human's rights women's rights whatever you care about whatever values mm -hmm. you have yes. this one this one has it in it so please that is what we want to see and that's basically what we are doing i absolutely um i you can't You've got a way of actually like shaping these or, or, or framing this in a way it's actually quite concise. It's actually, I, can, I can see how you did that with your um, PhD, so, which I probably might dig that up, actually. Yeah, yeah, I guess it must be somewhere presented in a um, conference or in a seminar. So I guess you can find it on Google Scholar, just Googling Super. my name, probably. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Just, yeah. I, I just had a quick follow up about that and, and part of the um, um, action which you just spoke of is actually the sanctions which are actually like imposed by um, various countries um, in terms of like trade I know the majority of the time um, East, um, Iran has still got allies in, in Turkey Russia etc um, which who have actually um, either abstained or still actually um, providing some sort of um, assistance in one way or another and part of that, so the sanctions actually come down into the people who are actually everyday people who who, who are actually living day-to-day -day life. Um, quality of life um, in terms of economics, um, that is what's been the burden. Now, I know the uh, international um, uh, community is actually, again, uh, thinking about uh, doing another. Do you think that's actually quite beneficial in terms of adding pressure or is it just going to further... Um, sort of add pressure to the uh, um, the day to day economy, which is actually yeah that that is true. But we're mm. not asking for sanctions on the country. We're asking sanctions on officials. We're asking sanctions on IRGC. IRGC is Islamic. It, it doesn't even have the word Iran in it. Islamic <laughs> Revolutionary Guard Corps. These are the troops, the armed troops, the quite literally economic cartel of the country that has the, they have been benefited from the sanctions more than anyone else yes. because because that basically has provided them with the opportunity to um, to to sank in their corruption to, to to steal as much as they as much as they can in every front so that's why they don't they didn't they never wanted an end to the sanctions yes why do you want anything that can disturb your business <laughs> so we are asking them to be sanctioned. We are asking them after making, turning Iran to such a hell for its own people to go and seek a safe haven in countries like New Zealand or Australia after countries like the US and Canada have already sanctioned them. Yes. So they don't have a place there. Mm. 
these are extremely powerful, resourceful, rich, corrupt people. This is a rich, corrupt entity. They are harmful in every possible way if they ever step in these countries and find a platform for themselves. I really hope mm. they don't have it already. But New Zealand needs to realize their danger. Yes. New Zealand needs to realize that these are sophisticated, trained people who are capable mm. of terror. That is who they are. They're terrorists. And they should, the world needs to finally come to this realization and to realize them, to recognize them for who they are and take a practical action. This is not a time to hesitate because at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be such a pricey hesitation. So that is the message we're sending. Mm. Yeah. Just um, a very, very brief bit. Oh, sorry, I was, I was, sorry, I think I jumped in front of um, Cody. No, I just really love the corridor here. And you just go ahead. I have two questions in my mind. Combine them because she talked in a very, very important message, you know. Yes. So, but after you, I will go ahead. No, I, I, was, I was just going to have a quick, mm. brief answer. Um, are you happy with New Zealand's response to um, the the atrocities which was actually um, now finally being acknowledged but in general the response are you happy with New Zealand's response? No, not yet. We're not happy with it absolutely. We are happy that we are being received, our message is being received they're considering it. We are thankful that today actually we got the chance of meeting with the uh, foreign affairs minister and we had like a quick chance of meeting prime minister and, re and before they actually make a decision or talk to their advisors they decided in an unprecedented way which needs to be praised to meet us who know the matter much in in, in a much more holistic way basically yes. so we do appreciate these uh, but again we need New Zealand alongside the rest of democracies to realize that they have been played by this regime for such a long time. And there's no shame in that. We, the people, were played by them for a much longer period. They Today I told, in that meeting, I told them that this country is called Islamic Republic and it's neither Islamic. This regime is neither Islamic nor Republic. This is not a matter of religion. Iranian people are not fighting Islam, are not fighting religion. They are fighting for the choice of practicing their faith the way that they want to, simply. Yet this regime is absolutely using religion as a blanket cover to all their crimes. So this is something that we really, this, this is a message we really need to get out, especially to our Muslim community. We are not enemies. If we go in front of Iran's embassy and burn uh, headscarves. We've never done it. We, we haven't done it anywhere else. You have noticed we didn't do it in Cuba Street in front of Parliament. Yes. I don't know in anywhere else. We did it in front of Islamic Republic of Iran's embassy. Why? Because that is a sign of oppression. Yes. Because our women are killed for that. So we burnt our flag as well. Do yes. we hate our country? No, we did that as a sign of protest. We burnt a passport. That was a sign of protest. So this is an important thing, and I really hope that through this interview, this talk, our Muslim community hear me out. We are not the enemies here. We're not fighting Islam. Nobody in Iran wants to fight Islam. We have parents, family members who are, this is their choice. They want to cover their hair. We have many people who are not covering their hair, yet they do practice it's not a matter of how you practice your religion. You have to have the freedom and be respected for that. And that is what we're fighting for. Amahinui. Awesome. Um, I'm <laughs> absolutely, you've encapsulated that. Thank you so much for that, Corrido. Thank you so much. For Sorry, Cody. I've jumped in. That's actually, that's great. Actually, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, but you just tapped in greatly because and you explained it beautifully because actually all even our platform voice over we have faced those attacks because we've been supporting a lot of posters out there so they were accusing us that this is we are supporting a protest who's anti-islam which i think you just i don't want to add what you have already explained beautifully about that this protest is not about against religion just let me quickly add something yeah, this regime week after week is attacking f 
Friday prayers in Sistan Baluchistan in Iran. Mm. People who are coming back from their Friday Friday prayers are being mass shot, are being killed at scale. What sort of religion or what sort of religious regime mm. is this one? We are as sad for our brothers in Sistan Baluchistan as we are sad for Masa Amini. One of them wants freedom, practice his religion to the fullest possible way. We stand by him as much. We love him as much as we love our girls who chose not to wear a hijab. Mm. I mean, mm. we are in 21st century why should somebody get lashed because of drinking a beer? Yes. I mean, what sort of, what sort of message is there in that? We mm. are just advocating for freedom. That's all. We respect every religion, every religions mm. out there, particularly Islam, because that's a part of our culture. Mm. So I mm. really hope that this message, mm. I don't know how it's getting... <laughs> People are getting confused around it. I mm. seriously can't see it, but it may be because I'm just in the center mm. of all yeah. the information. Perhaps that's just the clarity. I don't know how, how clear, how much clearer it could be. As and clear as Chris, <laughs> no, me, yeah. I really talk to her with that. So, thank you. Yes. Sorry, Rita. Oh, um, thank you so much. Oh, I think you're. Um, I think you touched on some really that have, as you said, you know, have been confused in the past. And I think um, that you did an unbelievably beautiful job um, explaining those. Um, so thank you so much. It was really, really beautiful to hear. Um, okay. uh, just one of the things I remember um, hearing about, uh, which is a little bit sad, is um, that unfortunately issues like this, um, I've heard critiques of, have been um, have been opportunities by often um, countries um, or sort of the stories and sort of um, media of um, nations and stuff in the West in particular to um, to sort of um, go, oh, okay, here, look, here's this, um, these negative things happening in Iran or in these Middle, Middle Eastern countries in particular and then attribute these faults to Islam. So I think it is um, really, really powerful and um, particularly that it's being done by women who, as you say, uh, by, by everyone, but, but as you say, who aren't saying we're not fighting with Islam here. That's not that's not what's going on. And really just to sort of get the record straight. And, um, and there's also been, I think, um, a little bit of a discourse um, of sort of um, white saviorism and sort of orientalism and things like that coming in. Okay, here's these sort of victimized countries um, where these, you know, women are, you know, having to do all these things and stuff like that. Um, and so it's just, I think it's really powerful um, hearing these stories amplified from your perspective and from the perspective of people who are really um, living living these things and saying, um, you know, we've always been activists here. There have always been people who have been wanting change and wanting generational change. So thank you so much. It's um, fantastic to hear that. Hopefully it doesn't get too confused. Um, I was, my only other questions really were, um, what would you like to see New Zealand do um, in response now? So what's the response you want from us? Um, and what do you hope to happen in the next couple of weeks? Well, what we ask from New Zealand is to join the other democracies around the world to, and to stand by its values, which is having respect for human rights, women's rights and children's rights, and to, and to recognize its violation and to response. So as I mentioned, Iranian... I don't want to call it even Iranian, Islamic Republic regime is basically has proven to respond to force. Actually, one of the reasons that we think extremely high, but the death toll to stay around 300 over eight weeks is that the world is watching. It's, it pains me to say that it stayed low 300, but I'm comparing it with the previous protests in November 20. 19, yeah. in which in two weeks, 1,500 people were killed. Yeah. So um, we have to continue watching. And what we want from New Zealand government is to, um, first of all, to expel the ambassador, as I mentioned today also in my meeting, for, the, for our safety reasons. Yes. We are the Iranian community, active Iranian community in Otora, New Zealand. This is a small country. We are a small community. It's extremely easy for us to be identified. Yes. It's extremely easy for us to be framed. And it's extremely easy for one of us to arbitrarily be chosen and face something extremely horrific to, to be set as an example and fear the rest. Yes. So we really don't feel secure while that embassy is open. That ambassador is in power, having political immunity, having such capacity that he has in this country while we are literally risking our 
safety. And we have families back home. Yes. And they're at risk too. So we really don't want them and their resources here. Mm-hmm. So that is the first request. And that's a very justified that this is this is an important reason we're not making stuff up. There is actual fear of what's mm-hmm. of um, having spy in our gatherings, in mm-hmm. our private mm-hmm. chats. We yes. hear out, like we hear each other out talking about who was that guy who was taking photos? Is that guy a spy of the of the Islamic Republic? Because they have a platform here. So, yeah, they could be. There could be spies among us True. that are being um, financed by them or supported by them. Yeah. So that is the first request. And the byproduct of it will be a political message. Expel the ambassador. That will send a political message to Tehran that there are consequences for what you're doing. That's the first. And the second one, I went through it. The IRGC and officials who are involved in the brutal crackdown of people, they need to be sanctioned. These people need to find nowhere to run away with their monies and have a happy life after causing such such a hell for a mm-hmm. nation, keeping them hostage. Which country will punish you by basically banning you from leaving that country? They know what a hell they've turned Iran to. So if they want to punish a celebrity who's supporting us, they'll just, they'll not allow the person to leave the country. This is ridiculous, but it's happening. So yeah, we want to see officials and IRGC um, members, high-ranked officers to be sanctioned, to be banned from ever stepping into New Zealand, ever interfering with the peace of this beautiful country, which we love. And uh, from there forward, we really hope a joined... um, Action from democracies force the regime to compromise or to step down at the best. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely incredible. Pass back on to Kotarin. Thank you so much for that beautiful, beautiful ex- explanation. I hope New Zealand does um, follow your, all, all your recommendations. I'll be looking to support as much as I can. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Rata. And that was so beautiful. Thank you, Hannah. And I can add you my voice to your voice, the ambassador. Hey, you, you are listening now. Get out. You're not welcome here. <laughs> uh, man. You know, because... Mr. Mofata, it's time to pack and leave. Yes. <laughs> pack yes. and leave. And we can pay for the ticket? Uh, yes. I think uh, you need donations. We'll have, we'll have a whip around, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we can actually send him Just in a cargo. Or actually, he has another choice. He can yeah. resign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Or join it, our it community all, here and yeah. support if, the If he loves revolution. New Zealand so much, he can resign and stay next to people, stand next to people. Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. And exactly. New Zealand is a welcoming country and political yes. asylums are actually always welcome. So, absolutely. you know, if yeah. the ambassador wish to do so, there's the best place to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It's his chance. Harimai. Harimai. Because you know, always when in Voice of Oroha, we are a platform built to welcome refugees and migrants, all different voices to this beautiful country. I think this is the first time to tell someone you're not welcome, but he deserved to tell. <laughs> Unless if he um, wants, like he said, resign and join the community here and join the rights you see, of people. I just want to add a tiny thing. <laughs> I've never, I was telling my husband this yesterday, I've never been in any position in my life that I can see the difference between black and white this clearly. Mm. I really can't see any gray area. Mm. In everything in life, you can see like, okay, that's the gray area. Things are like in between. There is no in between anymore. We are talking about right and wrong, completely clear, crystal clear. Mm. So I'm like, you just need to look at those people who, who are killed, who lost their lives. Listen to them, listen to their voices, and then also listen to the other side. Listen to the other side, and then it's like, Mm. There's no gray. There's no gray area. So whoever who's in the yeah. dark side would just the only the only chance is to just move yes. yeah. to our side. That's it. And, and history will be the judge of that. And, mm-hmm. and, okay. and history is watching. Your your future generation is watching. Your ancestors are watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree. Oh, um, sorry. I've Nana. All good. Right. So we are having the last few minutes. Uh, yes, just four minutes. Five Do you want to? Yes, we will give her final words, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, another revolution will start. I, 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 I can do. I, absolutely. This, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even want to do that. Do you have another questions, Tim? I, I've got millions of questions. I, I think we need to do an hour. I, I feel a bit bad about, you know, a short of time because I do, I do want to talk about, I, I, you know, there's so many things. The, uh, the music, I've got, 
I've got four pages of light notes, <laughs> which I wanted to. <laughs> the poems, the music has come about, the wording and how how that's actually invigorated and mobilized people. The, uh, the the reception in terms of the the, the, the flag which we actually see and mm-hmm. you know I wanted to talk about a funny story which I had but <laughs> we haven't got time. Which, which that's something I need really is important to touch base. I know the story. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, you touch base Hannah about safe, safety right? Yeah. Uh, and that that's really uh, here's a message also from people and police and all agencies listening to it. That's really concerning. Yes. Because yeah. safety is number one and what you touch by is that still the families, Iranian community not feeling safe because of having this embassy here. Yep. So they this is possible to do anything, which is already uh, we as a platform or we community, we know the stories of people being online attacked. Yes. And we know stories being followed to the door and there's all of these things happening. Yes. Yeah. So I think also another message that we are sending to officials in our New Zealand maybe that to really take this concern seriously. Yeah. Because it's happening and, 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 and we want to make sure all our fans from Iranian and also who are supporting them, they feel safe in this beautiful country to take necessary actions. Yes. Which is, you know, one of them, like you say, if you have someone who's operating here, yes. their house is here for the regime, I think all information is, whatever, even they are listening now to this, they can take it to back home, etc. You'll be followed later. So I think that is the New Zealand to be aware why is necessary what you said about to take this ambassador or embassy out. At least they repent and come back to, to the people. Can I, can I just say, yes, let, 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 let this be a reminder. And March 15, um, mm. some of the uh, Muslim women, in terms of talking about attacks, and you said, we told you this. Right. We told you this to the police, mm. the security um, uh, uh, agencies. agencies and the counterterrorism, mm. etc. We told you this. We showed you the, the, the letters that were actually sent. We, we sent you. And I don't want this to happen here. Mm. And IRGC's arm is actually quite, you know, they've got the funding, the means, and they've actually demonstrated this in Syria, Yemen, you name it, and anywhere else. New Zealand government really needs to take this, take heed. This is happening, and we don't want it to happen here. Mm. No, it is serious. We are not, we are not just asking for something to make the community feel good. We are asked, we're, we know what's taking place. I heard mm. you sit down a commercial airplane in the sky of Tehran with 176 innocent people yes. on it, many of them children. Why? To possibly count it on the U.S. Yeah. In, in, in some sort of expected reaction from the U.S. Yes. <laughs> when we say terrorists, we're not joking around it. Yes. Actually, the word is not powerful enough to describe them. So please take this serious because it is serious. Yeah, yeah I think you say it. And uh, just tell, tell me I'm from the same region. I hope that regime comes so my country gets safe as well. <laughs> the <laughs> world will be much more, more beautiful <laughs> without this regime. Trust us. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good cause for the world. 100%. If you team have a last question or quick things you want to add? I, I just want to say um, thank you, Hannah. Uh, I, know, I know how much... The amount of organization and time and effort and family life commitment work. I mean, I could go on for days uh, (laughs) and you always take it on your stride. And despite your community, your leadership, your voice, your face, regard, you know, despite what you actually face has been absolutely phenomenal. And thank thank you you so much on a Wednesday evening on a short notice to actually, you know, little old us here in the community radio, thank you so much for um, coming and have this, having this conversation. I just would like to implore you to um, to come back and let's 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 talk about um, mm. you know some of the inspirations. But let's talk about the uh, the, the the poets. I want I want to talk about um, the Iranian women poets and 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 what's the words that actually inspired them. The music. And the significance of the flag, which I was actually wearing. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, I think I'm actually eating into the time again. So, <laughs> so, please do come back to us. I'll, Absolutely, it's going to be my mm. pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. For sure, we can. I, I can talk about Iran forever. So, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> right, 
Just again, want to thank you and everything Ben said more. It's been so fantastic having you. And but more importantly, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and the inspirational example that you are to all of us. And not only just standing up for um, human rights in Iran, but really as a, as a global leader on you know on what is right and standing up for truth and justice. So thank you so much. It's been fantastic meeting with you, and I hope you uh, everything goes well, as well as possible. And thank you so much you know, for, for this interview as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, before I do the closing one, Rahana, it's mic to you. One message for you for the audience. You have one minute. Well, I just can't ask you to join us. That's the only thing that I can ask because I know the audience is people. And this is, a, this is an important, beautiful cause. This is a historic moment. This is, this is a, it's a significant moment in the history. So join us. It's for women. It's for life. It's for freedom. It couldn't get clearer. That's all we are asking for. Thank you again for listening. Keep following our social media to know for our next guest, next episode, our next speaker coming to this platform. Kakite and have a good day. برای توی کوچه رخصیدن برای ترسیدن به وقت بوسیدن برای خواهرم خواهرت خواهرامون برای تغییر مغزها که پوسیدن برای شرمندگی برای بیپولی برای حسرت یک زندگی معمولی برای کودک زبال گرد و آرزوهاش برای این اقتصاد دستوری برای این هوای آلوده برای ولی اصر و درختای فرسوده برای پیروز و اعتمال انقرازش برای سگهای بیگناه ممنوعه برای گریه های بیوقفه برای تصویر تکرار این لحظه برای چهره ای که میخنده برای دانش آموزا برای هاینده برای اجباری برای نخبه های زندانی برای کودکان افغانی برای این همه برای غیر تکراری برای این همه شعارهای تو خالی برای آوار خونه های پوشالی برای احساس آرامش برای خورشید پس از شبای طولانی برای غرصای حساب و بیخوابی برای مرد میهن آبادی برای دختری که آرزو داشت پسر بود برای زن زندگی آزادی program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.